0: Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento, and man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it, so get ready to receive from God today. Well, good afternoon. How's everybody doing? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I really do love that song. We are in the house of miracles, and miracles take place This is a house of miracles because of what Jesus did and what his power has done in and through you. If you're a living miracle, would you just raise a hand up in here? Could you give God praise that you are a living miracle? Man, it's been so good to be in the word. Um, This this series, we started it a couple weeks ago and it's called Genesis, the series. Thanks, Justin, he laughed. It's Genesis, we are in Genesis, we are going, Um, through the whole book and it'll take us about 16 weeks. Actually, it's more than that, just joking. Uh, Remember when we did Mark? If you were here, we went through the book of Mark and we said, oh, we'll be done in two years. We were done in three and a half years. And so now we're in Genesis. And after Caleb was preparing for the first message of the series to kind of cover chapter one and two, he's like, "Uh, this is like three messages and we had to break it up. So the first week we talked about in the beginning, there was purpose. In the beginning, was identity. And this third week in the Genesis series, we're talking about in the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, he doesn't come in until the New Testament. Like that's when, you know, he's born in a manger. How could he have been there from the beginning of time? Well, let me tell you, before I jump into that, um, Genesis one and two, there are a lot of potentially contentious issues and controversial issues that come up because of the contents of Genesis one. And we've used Genesis one and two more as a weapon to debate our stance on things. And I, I believe that, you know, we can have these conversations and they may lead some people to Jesus. Other conversations may not, and they may be unfruitful. But I believe that this message is probably the most controversial. Maybe you think that um, you won't be talking about anything or won't be having any questions about anything because you're like, duh, in the beginning was Jesus. But it's so controversial because Jesus is so controversial. He is so the opposite and counterculture of the day's spirit. The spirit of this day is opposite of who Jesus is. So this could very well touch and step on some of your toes because I believe we don't realize how much we are living within the culture and not understanding that, that Jesus was there from the very beginning of time. So if he was there in the beginning, he must be our end too. If he was there in the beginning, he must be our beginning and our end. And so I believe that he's gonna share something with you that may ruffle your feathers and um, it ruffled mine. And I believe that's what Holy Spirit does. It's not to like poke at us and like be like, ha ha, see, you're not doing it right. No, it's like, I love you too much to keep you the same. So I wanna show you something in my word. And it's not just in the New Testament, I am Word. I read it earlier. Jesus says, or John says that Jesus was the word and he was with God from the very beginning. It says that in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And so for us to understand Jesus being the beginning, we have to take it back to Genesis 1 26, where he says, then God said, Let us make man in our image. Let us let us. Not cauliflower. I'm sorry. I just had to do that. <laughs> I just, I was the first time. Okay. Let us, (laughs) it's the third service, anything goes, you know, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. You know, I don't want to go into all the details, but this is the first time we see a word or we see the definition of a word that we don't actually see in Scripture, and it's the word Trinity. This is where we talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Some, some might think that Jesus or God was talking to other celestial beings and angels, but if you look through Scripture, the angels never created anything. They never made anything. God, God himself made everything. And he said that he sent down his son and his son was all the essence of who God is that we can't understand in human form. And when he sent Jesus down and he breathed life into him and he gave everything that he was to this person, to this this human, we have an example of what he wanted us to be as his creation. So God was there from the beginning and he created us and he sent Jesus to help us understand who he was. Because if you really think about it, in our finite minds, it is hard to understand the mystery of who God is. When you really start to think that he is beyond time, space and energy, you're like, well, then what? what, This thing of God is so big, it's hard to really understand. But God was so gracious, to show us who Jesus was and show himself through Jesus. He was there in the beginning. Let us like God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit make man in our image. You know, you might be asking why does John call Jesus the word? And it's because in Jesus' own words, he says that he is the truth. And you understand that the word is the truth. John fourteen six says, I am the truth. That's what Jesus said. And if that is the truth, then Jesus and everything that he said is the final decisive message of God to us. Jesus's life, Jesus's words is the message to us from our creator God. And so we'll dig into it a little bit more later, but again, if Jesus was there from the beginning and he's there in the end, we read that in Revelation 19, 13, He's referred to as coming back, but he's referred to not as Jesus and the, not just Jesus and not just the Messiah, but as the word of God coming back. So the word is so important here. The words that we use, the way, and it's not even just Jesus' words, the words that he spoke clarified his actions while he was here on earth. The truth of who he is and what he said was confirming how he acted and how he operated on this earth. So the final decisive message for us is that you, as creations of God, the creator, sons and daughters of the most high God, our goal and our, our, our identity and our purpose is to emulate who God created us to be from the very beginning. Yeah. That, is, that is just, That is just it. That is our purpose. No longer can we try to figure out if our purpose is through our job or if it's through relationship or if it's through our behaviors or through through all these other things. Our purpose is to become more like Jesus. And the way we become more like Jesus is when we worship him, when we surrender to him. So in the beginning was Jesus. If Jesus was in the beginning, then he must be our beginning and our end. So how do we do that? How do we allow Jesus to be our beginning and our end? It's by reflecting him in our beginning and our end. He must be our beginning. He must be our end. And we see in Genesis two, I believe he showed me through these scriptures. I'm not gonna read every one of them because it's about 24 verses, but he shows us in four different ways how Jesus is our beginning and our end. First. We reflect Jesus in our beginning and our end, when we rest, in our rest. Genesis two, one through three, it says this, "'Thus the heavens and the earth were finished "'and all of the host of them. "'And on the seventh day, God finished his work "'that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day "'from all his work that he had done.'" So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. You know, I don't know how many people have been in church for a long time, but even when I was a little girl, I would hear them say, you know, go to church on Sunday, keep the Sabbath holy. You have to rest on Sunday because even God had to rest on Sunday, right? That's why we rest because God set the perfect example for us. He was probably so tired from everything he created from the seven days. And whether you're a young earth or older, that was a long time. That was a lot of energy expended, right? right? But can I remind you, can I please remind you? And we have to get this in our minds today that the perfect one, the creator of the universe does not need rest. The purpose of God's rest was to reflect on all that he had done in creation. And you know what he did in creation? He did something perfect. He did something that was good. Every day, every day he was finished with this work, he said, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. And so the purpose of rest is to reflect on what is good. Because sometimes I think when we say that we need rest, the goal of our rest is that we might be rejuvenated, we might be re-energized, we might rekindle something with our Savior, we're, we're read something. The rest is something for us. And this is what I'm saying when God has to be our, Jesus has to be our beginning and our end, is that oftentimes the things that God asks us to do becomes the means to our end. It's about Jesus being the means to what our agenda is. And sometimes we use the, the holy things of God and this thing called rest as a means to our end rather than a means to becoming more like Jesus. So can I tell you that? And Lynn, I ask you actually, what is the focus of your Sabbath? First of all, you need to be taking a Sabbath. You need to take a day off. I don't care how hard you work, how many jobs you have. The the word commands us to take a day off and not just for you to rejuvenate, recharge. But when you do take a Sabbath, what is your focus? I wanna ask you this, what is your focus? Because the benefits that rest brings us are a byproduct of reflecting on Jesus. It's not the end, it is not the goal. If our rest becomes about what we can get from our rest, then our rest is no longer about Jesus. It's Jesus's command becomes the means to our end of being rested, recharged and energized and have new ideas for the week ahead. God wants you to emulate Jesus from the very beginning of time by resting. And can I encourage you to use your rest, not to just Netflix, not to just veg out and not to just say, oh my gosh, it's been such a long week. And when we make it about our long week, then we make it about how hard we worked. But rest is supposed to reflect on what God provided, how he gave you your energy, how he provided you a job, how he gave you a purpose and how you can't do anything outside of him. The reason why some of us are so exhausted is because we're resting for the means of our end, by the means for our end, our agenda, what we wanna get and how much we can do in the next week. It's about reflecting on who Jesus is. I love what Dan Allender says in his book, Sabbath. He says this, we will never know Sabbath delight unless God delivers us from the drowning in the noise and grime of our soiled days. We are nothing but filthy rags without the presence of God. And when the presence of God enters us and when the presence of God visits us, especially on those days of rest, it like washes us clean. And our attention goes back on the perfect one. Because again, if your rest is just about you, you're just like sitting in your muck and your mire and your soiled self-importance. So we reflect Jesus in our beginning and in our end, in our rest, number one. But number two, we reflect Jesus in our beginning and our end in our creations in our creations, verses four through 14, I want you to see that God has created everything. And before man enters the scene in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden, the garden, the water, the seas, the airs, the animal animals, between verses four and 14, they all existed first. He is the creator. How many people um, would consider themselves a creative? Okay, I do, I do. I consider myself a creative. I feel like I do some design, um, graphic design. I I do some music stuff. I can understand music, play music, sing music. And so, you know, I'm a creative. We do say here at Project Church that creative is our spirit. And um, so I'm not knocking people who say creative whenever I tell you what I'm about to tell you. But it's our spirit but it is not our message and it is not our guide like Jesus and the Bible is. Both are God, both are Jesus. The word is God, right? And it was there from the beginning of the time. But creative is our spirit here at Project Church. But I'm afraid that if we lose our compass, which is the Bible being our message and Jesus our guide and Jesus being our beginning and our end, being our very all, then we start using this word creative as like, huh? I'm a creative. And we start, I'm afraid that this generation has become obsessed with our own ideas and creativity. That instead of worshiping the creator, perhaps our creations have led us to self worship. And I want you to remember that verses four through 14, it never mentions man when all of the universe is created. So anything that we create could only have been created by the God who placed us on this earth. And the moment we start making creativity our priority, we start losing sight of what Jesus and who Jesus wants us to be. Jesus can't be a means for our end. Our creativity must be our means to his end. To him, to Jesus. So let's hear it from Isaiah 2 8. Their land is filled with idols, it says. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. And I'm not even just harping here. Let me, let me listen to me. It's not just about artists and designers and all those kinds of people, but some of us love to create our own schedules. Now, I, I love that people have found freedom to make work and have work and find a means to feed their families through free schedules. But I've heard it so too many times where it's like, I, I just don't wanna be a product of the machine. Eight, I'm, I'm gonna quit my eight to five job. Just gotta quit it. Cause it's just, I just, I need the freedom, right? Oh man, everybody's quiet. There's probably a lot of people who like quit their jobs. This is cool. I mean, we have a very flexible job, flexible job ourselves. um, But sometimes we champion and we get really excited about the schedules that we can create when God says, "I have a different plan." I've seen us, I have seen us sacrifice what God gives us as provision sometimes in an eight-to-five, by for us to have the means of our own creativity and our own freedom. It's still quiet, babe. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. (laughs) But can we not allow the worship of creativity distract us from focused work ethic because God created his creatures, us, to be on this earth, to tend to his earth and to do what he has willed us to do. And Sometimes that will be in a free job. Sometimes that will be in an eight to five. Whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. Colossians 3, 23 says, whatever you do, whatever you put your hand to, do it unto the Lord. Whatever that may be, but don't be like those that Isaiah speaks of. Do not bow down to the work of your own hands. So we reflect Jesus in our beginning and our end, in our rest, in our own creations. When we say we're not gonna focus on what we've created or what we did on our own strength, but third, we reflect Jesus in our beginning, and our end, in our work. And this just goes hand in hand with creations, everything that we've created, everything that we've built. I'm telling you, even now that Caleb and I, we, we built this church about 10 years ago. But if the moment I use that vernacular of we built this, the moment I am scared to death because I'm taking credit away from the God that I fear. He's a holy God and the work that he gives us is only by his strength and only by his will and only by his way. Anything good that we've done has got to be directed back to Him. Any good that we've created has got to be directed back to Him. So even our work. It says in Isaiah, um, they bow down to the work of their hands. The work of their hands is simply anything that you put your energy towards, your time towards, or your resources towards. But again, are we ever making work our end? Sometimes I believe that we're we're just living for our work. And our work is what identifies us. Our work is what gives us purpose. Our work is what gives us life. And Jesus is saying, no, that does not give you your purpose or your life or your identity. I am the one who created you. I created you, you are my son and daughter. Give me credit and understand what your work exists for. Your work exists for the reason that he says here, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. To work it and to keep it. God doesn't just give us a job to do. He entrusts a territory for us to steward. And when we do what he wants us to do with what he has given us, then that brings him glory. But if any of that reflects back on us, and gives us our praise that I don't believe, I believe that we've lost our sight. How do we reflect Jesus in our beginning and in our end? It's in our rest, in what we create, it's in our work, and it's in our relationships, And our relationships. So we just kind of skim through Genesis two, and he's showing us how we can reflect who he is and who Jesus is. And verse 18 through 24, I've read it to you before. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man. It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Ladies, this is when we enter the scene. Okay. Are you excited? This is where we come in. You can be excited about it. Ladies, so OK, we're, we're, yeah, OK, thank you. There are moments that we just are kind of like, <laughs> yeah, we're of Eve's descent, you know? <laughs> like, and like Eve just messed it up for everybody. and messed it up for humanity. and some women, we've just seen ourselves as problem, because of what the word says about Eve. But let me tell you, when women enter the scene, we are the solution to man's first problem. Right. Give it up for the women.) It is not fit for a man to be alone. Here we see the first wedding in all of history. But sometimes we focus so much on uh, marital roles and the roles of husbands and wives that we forget that this is the first human relationship that you see. There was Adam and God and God in that creation. But when the woman enters the scene, there's human connection. There's human connection. And this is so important to see that our beginning and our end reflecting Jesus has a lot to do with our relationships. But I'm afraid that sometimes instead of allowing Jesus to be our beginning and our end, our marriage becomes our beginning and our end. And it becomes our all encompassing thing in life. And not just marriage, relationships. Relationships with another human becomes sometimes even our idols. I went there. Sometimes relationships become our idols, but God wants to remind us that he uses relationships for us to get closer to Jesus. So some of us just want those perfect relationships. Like I don't want any fights. I don't want anybody to hurt me. I don't want anybody to disappoint me. I don't want me to like mess up anybody else. Uh, my, My parents messed me up bad enough. Like I'm not messing up anybody. I'm not gonna have kids because I'm gonna mess them up. And we're so fearful of relationships when God is saying to his son and his daughter, the relationships are meant as a means to get closer to me and to look like me. So the hardships that you're experiencing are purposed by God. They are inevitable in a fallen world. Nobody's gonna be perfect. We're all a work in progress and imperfect relationships are inevitable. But let me tell you, let me, let me remind you, this is the, the end for us. The beginning and end for us is Jesus. Listen to what it says in Ephesians, as it's talking about, especially the marriage relationship between men and women wives and husbands. Verse 22, Ephesians 5, 22, it says this, "'Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord.'" And the men said, amen. (laughs) I I mean, I gotta get, come on guys. Yeah, I get excited, yeah. I've really like ramped up the the chicks. Okay, for the husband is the head of the wife. Okay, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives must submit in everything to their husbands. Amen. See, no, just kidding. <laughs> it goes on to say this in verse 25, and husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Some people have such issue with this submit. No, it's all about equality nowadays, but you see how both of them, both husbands and wives, They're emulating Jesus. They're being formed into the likeness of Jesus because of their relationships with with their husbands, with their wives. So women, submit to your husbands the way Christ submitted to the will of God. Christ came to this earth in full submission to what God had asked him to do. Women, we have the opportunity to to be more like Jesus as as women, as wives. And then husbands, you also get to emulate who Jesus is by loving your spouse, loving your wife, the way Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. What I see there is a submission between both. And you might be saying, okay, that's only in marriages, Chrissy. It's only in marriages, but if you read Ephesians 5, 21, before marriages are even mentioned, this is for men and women at large. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit to one another in reverence for Christ. It's submission, it's surrender. That ultimately is our first, our first step towards becoming more like Jesus. Our means to becoming more like Jesus is through rest, through creating, through our work, through our relationships, we get to love like Jesus and we get to submit like Jesus. Our beginning and our end, our beginning and our end is to be formed into the likeness of Jesus. You know those bracelets we always have, what would Jesus do? God is speaking us to today. Today, He's speaking to us that what would you do in your relationships? What would you do in your work? What would you do in what you create? What do you do in your rest? The goal is to do it like I did it in the beginning of time in Genesis, to do it like He did it. And when we do it like He did it, we do it to become more like Him Again, that is our purpose. That is our identity from the beginning of time. Let us make man in our image. Let us do what God has intended for us to do and be. And it's to be more like our creator. His creation must reflect him. Because when we reflect him, we enjoy the, the truth of who he is. And that's love, joy, peace, contentment, hope. So... Again, let me go back to Genesis 126 and I'll read from what a commentary says, the JFB commentary, critical and explanatory on the whole Bible. It says this, "'Let us make man in our image, "'our words which show the peculiar importance "'of the work to be done, "'the formation of a creature "'who was to be God's representative, "'clothed with authority and rule "'as visible head and monarch of the worlds Jesus, Jesus is the head, God is the head. And he sent Jesus down as human for us to understand who he is. And we are to ask him into our lives, ask him to become the Lord of our lives so that we can become more like him. We become who we behold. What is it that you behold? Are you beholding your work too much? Are you beholding your relationships too much? Are you beholding your rest and your private time? Are you beholding what you've created on your own? Because if you've done that, you're gonna be a slave to it. But God is telling us to let Jesus be our end. And when he's our end, then we become more like him. When we submit these things to him so we become more like Christ when we rest, create, work and have relationships that are submitted to him. But in our... our um, that was my message essentially, right? And I, I presented it to our preaching team every week. Our preaching team tells the, everyone what we're preaching on, and they either add to or take away from or clarify. And I was like, there's a message. You know, Jesus has to be our beginning and our end. This is great. What do you think? And then I think my father in law was actually joking because oftentimes we'll come across scriptures because we like to go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we can't really ignore the awkward things that happen in the Bible. For instance, this is what my father-in-law mentioned he's like hey so are you gonna teach on that part verse 25 and the man and his wife were both naked <laughs> it's okay you can laugh it's it's funny when we say like sex and naked in like church sorry babe my 10 year old's in here um right and we just kind of giggling and it was funny because that wasn't going to be one of my main points and then i go randy yes absolutely This is the key to this message. He's our beginning and our end, yes, but what does it say here? It says in verse 25, and the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. Can I tell you that chapter one and two of Genesis is in the beginning when everything was perfect. And we're gonna move on to chapter three next week, right babe? And that's when the fall happens and that's when sin happens. And I, And I feel sorry for Adam and Eve because the moment they fell, shame entered their world. But before that, when it was just them, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, when it was just them and their creator, they were naked and were not ashamed. And I wonder if there is sin that has entered your life that has left you ashamed and trying to hide from a God that loves you and says, I have a plan to restore you to who you are supposed to be. You're not gonna be able to work your way back to perfection. You're not gonna get back to the garden on, on merit of your own will and your own work and your own work ethic. You're gonna make it there. You're gonna get back to the garden when you go back to, go back to Jesus when you surrender your life to Jesus. It says here, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed, sin had not entered, but I guarantee, and I'm telling you right now, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, we have fallen short of the glory of God. We've been separated from a perfect God, but he said Jesus was there from the beginning and he can be your beginning today. And he can can cover you not hide you, not, 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 not allow you to be hidden, but to allow you to be hidden and clothed in His glory. When you're clothed in His glory, you look more like Him. And you don't have to behave a certain way in order to get that forgiveness and to get that cloak of glory. It just comes by surrendering our shame. And the moment we surrender our shame, our sin, our mistake is a moment that we're formed. It's the first step to being formed into the likeness of Jesus. That's why we sing the song, all my heart, all I own, all my soul, you can have it all because there's nothing that I can do on my own merit to get back to the garden, to get back to perfection. It's Jesus who makes us perfect. It's Jesus, did you know that you can become perfect? Did you know that? Only by way of grace. When you are saved through grace, by his love, through Jesus, then you're perfect in God's sight. That's the only way we can get to heaven. That is the only way we can get to heaven and be with him in perfect communion like it was in chapters one and two of Genesis. Would you bow your heads in this place? Man, I believe that there's some people in this room and you're listening to this message and you're getting the, the to-dos, okay? I need to rest like Jesus. I need to, uh, and, and let him be the beginning and my end. I need to rest like God did. I need to understand that he was the creator. So everything I've created, everything I work for, all my relationships, they're, they're all his, right? But there's that peace, that shame piece, probably the key to this message for you. And I believe it's a key that's gonna give you freedom, freedom from your guilt, your shame, your imperfections. And that's Jesus, that's Jesus. So if you're in this room and you wanna give your life back to him, you wanna rededicate your life to him, you've walked away from him and you can hardly, gosh, you're confused, there's no clarity in your life, you're, you're feeling guilty all the time, you feel ashamed all the time, you can't be vulnerable. And God's saying there's safety in my presence and I wanna enter your life, invade it and change it and transform you from the inside out. If that's you, and you want to rededicate your life, or you've walked away from him, or you want to accept him into your life for the first time. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, no one's looking around. I want you to raise your hand and ask him into your life and just say, I want to make you the Lord of my life. Would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Lift your hand in this place. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anyone else want to give their life to the Lord today? I also wanna pray for those, in addition to those who lay, raise their hand, I just wanna pray for some of you to have the revelation of God's love today. Jesus love that changes you and he's the perfecter of our faith. When we put our trust in him, everything changes. So God, I just pray over those in this room. They come here wanting more of you I don't believe they would be in this room at 12 o'clock on a Sunday able to do everything and anything else on this beautiful day. But God, they want more of you by indicating, by lifting their voice, by indicating by indicating through lifting their voice and even their presence here and their energy here. God, I pray God that you would give them a fresh revelation of who you are and what you're wanting to do and accomplish in their lives. I pray that anything that they have to lay down, anything that they've mistakenly made the goal of their life, the end of their life, God, I pray that you would um, perf- you would help them in their, their vision and in their perception and in their perspectives. And I pray that you would change them you would change them, make them new today. And actually, if you could all repeat after me and pray with those who have lifted their hands today, repeat after me this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for bringing me here today. I accept you into my life. I believe that you love me and that by dying on a cross for me, I can be set free from my guilt, and my shame and all my sins. Wash me clean. I need a savior. And I ask you, be the Lord of my life and give me the strength to live for you for all the days of my life. In your precious name, amen and amen. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the Waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.